You're listening to Reach MD, the channel for medical professionals. Hi, this is Dr. Ann Goldberg, president of the National Lipid Association, and I'd like to welcome you to Lipid Luminations, hosted by Dr. Larry Caskell, presented by the National Lipid Association. Hi, I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, and I'm at the Northeast Lipid Association meetings in Philadelphia. And I'm sitting here with Dr. Kevin John Williams, who is a professor at the Jefferson Medical College of Thomas Jefferson University. He's also the Division of Endocrinology, Diabetes, and Metabolic Diseases. Kevin John Williams just gave a uh, brilliant and funny talk on regression of atherosclerosis. And I was wondering if you could just share with people who are not lucky enough to be at these meetings. Some of the highlights of your talk. Is regression possible? I'll start with that. In animal models of atherosclerosis, it's very clear-cut. Even advanced lesions can shrink and remodel. Even components that give what I call the illusion of permanence, things like necrosis, calcification, fibrosis, those can shrink in animal lesions. Now, if you look at human lesions, there are IVIS trials, imaging trials, that, right. uh, in particular the asteroid trial, sure. that have shown shrinkage of, of lesions. So I think it is possible. But I, I would want to emphasize something very important here, and that is that it's not just a matter of shrinking size. It's also changing the nature, changing the underlying biology in the plaque. So the causative agent here in atherosclerosis, it's, it's very simple. LDL particles, ApoB-containing lipoproteins, get trapped in the artery wall. And then the body mounts a strikingly maladaptive response. Recent teaching is that it is an inflammatory disease. You say otherwise. It's been known since the time of Virchow in the 1800s that there's a cellular infiltrate in the, in the arterial wall in atherosclerosis. The question is, how does that help us understand the disease and treat it? We don't use prednisone, an anti-inflammatory agent, to treat atherosclerosis. Why isn't anybody using biologics or these drugs that are used for neo, to, to stop neovascularization? Because we hear a lot about the vasovasorum now being involved. So how come any, no one's trying those types of agents to see if they can actually halt the ongoing maladaptive inflammation? Probably because, I mean, if you were going to do something like that, you'd have to have a large clinical trial. You'd have to follow people for, you know, five years. And I, I think that there's not enough to justify that. A good contrast can be drawn between a, a developing atherosclerotic plaque versus a bruise. So in a bruise, you have extravasated red cells. Red cells are full of lipid. Macrophages come in, they, they consume the red cell debris, and then they leave. And so a bruise is not a chronic condition. Now you could say, is a bruise inflammation? Well, there are macrophages there. Well, no, a bruise is a bruise, and the macrophages come in and they clean things up. Now, by contrast, in the artery wall, retained and modified LDL seems to be particularly dangerous because the macrophages come in they consume it, they become foam cells, but then they don't leave. And that is a problem, but that relates back to what's been retained in the wall. And so when the macrophages stay there, they secrete molecules that actually accelerate lipoprotein retention, they secrete proteases that weaken the structure of the plaque so it'll rupture, they secrete tissue factor, which ensures robust clot formation when the plaque breaks open. So it's a maladaptive cellular infiltrate. What's useful here, or what's, what's conceptually important in terms of regression, is that it can be converted into a healthy, helpful cleanup process. So if instead of having a macrophage that stays there, 
you have a macrophage that leaves, new macrophages come in, still you could call that inflammation if you wanted, but if they came in and functioned normally, they'd come in, they'd consume retained lipoproteins, they'd consume the necrotic debris, and then they'd leave. Now, is that inflammation? Is that bad? I don't know whether it's inflammation or not. I don't, I don't think that's a useful concept. It's a helpful cellular infiltrate in contrast to the unhelpful cellular infiltrate that you have in an ordinary plaque. What if we talk about an intraplaque hemorrhage and similar to a bruise, you, you have the extravasation of red blood cells, and as you know, red blood cells have an enormous amount of lipid on it. Is it possible that the lipid that we see in atherosclerosis is coming from the back door more than through the endothelial junctions? There's certainly a lot of material that can enter through vasovasorum. That's very clear. And in fact, uh, many people uh, believe that most of the monocyte or macrophages that enter the arterial wall will do so through vasovasorum, simply because there's more surface area and less shear. In, in terms of plaque hemorrhage, that's a very late event. So that doesn't explain how a normal artery becomes diseased. That can explain how a late-stage diseased artery can become worse. But it doesn't get at the root cause of this malady. The root cause of this malady is not small hemorrhages in a normal artery that somehow get, right. get badly handled. The right. root cause is trapping of LDL. But doesn't something have to inflame the endothelial lining to, to make it permeable to the LDL? Or are you saying LDL itself is toxic and atherogenic and can get into the endothelial space without any sort of damage whatsoever. Is that what you're saying? So that's actually been measured. That's a great question, and there's experimental answer to that. A tremendous amount of LDL normally enters and leaves the artery wall all the time. Okay, so there's kind of a passive... Uh... Yeah, it just comes in. Goes in. I, we don't actually know what the process is, whether there's a, a role for transcytosis or whether it's gaps between endothelial cells that normally occur, but there's a lot of flux of LDL in and then out. Okay. That stuff I don't think matters. What matters is stuff that gets in and, and gets retained. And then there are actually enzymes within the arterial wall that modify the retained LDL. And then that leads to the attraction of, of monocytes that then are incapable of, of cleaning this up properly. I'd like you to debunk some of the theories or myths that have been around that initiate atherosclerosis. I'll throw some out. Uh, chlamydia and pneumonia. Okay, so there have now been three large clinical trials of antibacterials. They don't help. Why do people get heart attacks when they have influenza? They get heart attacks when they shovel the uh, right. driveway. So metabolic or physical stress can provoke a plaque rupture. Now, you're not going to get a ruptured plaque from influenza if you don't have a plaque to start with. So again, if we focus back on what makes a normal artery, sets a normal artery on the path towards disease, it's not influenza. How about cigarette smoke? Cigarette smoke is a terrible thing. And it, I don't want to give anyone the wrong impression here, but if you look, for example, at the lifestyle patterns in China, they began to smoke before they adopted more Western-type diets. And what you saw was a lot of lung cancer, a lot of mouth cancer, bladder cancer. And only lately are you starting to see an explosion in their heart disease rates. So you still need LDL to get trapped in the artery wall. Cigarette smoking makes it a lot worse. It makes everything worse. But you still need ApoB lipoproteins, primarily LDL, getting trapped in the artery wall. 
Where do you stand on the concept that if you live in, or if you used to live in a Mediterranean country, that you were better off with that diet? Do you believe in any diets, or you still just think it's it's all LDL? Doesn't matter what what you eat, what you drink, what you. Oh, I think what you eat and what you drink are extremely important because uh, lifestyle is what's driving this epidemic. So this is something I actually call the fedentary lifestyle, people who eat too much and sit too much. So we have a chair-enticing environment, and we have all these abundant calories around us, largely driven by the way that agricultural food subsidies are done. Corn is incredibly cheap. So this actually brings us into a very closely related topic, which is the role of postprandial lipoproteins, postprandial ApoB lipoproteins that, that resemble LDL. You can find those in plaques also. They get retained in, in the lesions, and they cause disease too. So I think a healthy lifestyle, not smoking, avoiding diabetes, not being overweight, getting exercise, taking medicine as needed. The medicines are safe and effective. This is, this is a good way to conquer this killer. There's really a nice unity right now between our basic understanding of the underlying pathophysiology of atherosclerosis and what we're now seeing in lifestyle and clinical practice, both epidemiology and in interventional studies. So with the medicines we're using, the lifestyle, so forth, it it, it really is boiling down to telling one single story. This is how I understand it in my simplistic mind and how I explain it to my patients and, and tell me if I'm totally off base. I believe that if you get your LDL to 70, you can stop progression of disease. If you then start to look at reverse lipid transport, as you call it, and try and raise functional HDL, you can start beginning regression. And that regression is possible, and it does occur every day, and that's something we should shoot for and not just be these learned helpless doctors who just say, oh, woe is me, we can't do anything about this disease. And when you say regression, again, the first thing that happens, at least in the animal studies, is you change the nature of the biology. You still have macrophages there. It's just instead of being this this maladaptive, unhelpful infiltrate that accelerates the disease, you convert it to a healthy, helpful cleanup process. And that's within our grasp. If you look at populations that have lifetime low LDL levels, I mentioned the PCSK9 uh, polymorphism work that Helen Hobbs and colleagues have, have published. These people have LDLs throughout their lifetime that are, say, 80, 90. They have almost a 90% event reduction. So this disease is definitely conquerable. And key to all of this is a good understanding of the of the basic pathophysiology coupled with having clinical and lifestyle tools that can stop and reverse these known and well-characterized processes. In your talk, you had a slide on that in our past, we've had two episodes of collective amnesia where there were times where we focused on regression and then it just kind of faded away. What happened? I'm not sure. It's quite striking. This is a little bit of archaeology that I did in the library. There was a body of work that began in 1957 and and sort of petered out around the mid-70s, and then a separate body of work, largely actually done in primates, non-human primates, starting in the late 60s, and that sort of petered out after a decade. And, And the results they showed were phenomenal. Advanced, complicated plaques could heal. Part of the reason I think, if I had to guess, that this stuff disappeared from common knowledge 
is that we had a number of theories come on the scene to explain, or that they're incorrect, I think, that, that try to explain how a normal artery becomes diseased, like the response to injury hypothesis or the inflammation hypothesis that you mentioned. These theories unintentionally emphasize apparently irreversible components of the plaque. So if, if you're thinking of oxidation or inflammation, these things seem hopeless to reverse, but it's not true. I'd like to thank my guest, Perry Weinstock, for sitting down and talking to me at the Northeast Lipid Association meetings in Philadelphia. Thank you for listening to Lipid Luminations, presented by the National Lipid Association. For more information, please visit www.lipid.org. Reach MD, the channel for medical professionals. This ReachMD program is featured on Sermo, a free online community exclusively for physicians. To discuss this program with your colleagues, visit www.sermo.com. That's S-E-R-M-O dot com. When you join, enter ReachMD in the promotion box to receive a $15 Amazon gift card.